The Incomparable. Number 504. February 2020. Welcome back to everybody to The Incomparable. My name is Moises Chuyan, and joining me for a medium place second panel on The Good Place, even though it's being recorded before the first <laughs> panel, I should note, uh, is an August crew of terrible, terrible people just trying to get to be a little bit better in the eyes of, well, whoever matters, and in our hearts, that's really just you, the listeners. Um, without further ado, Aline Sims, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, here is your shrimp cocktail distributing soda machine. Ooh, stay away from the white chocolate, though. <laughs> Kelly, come on. Welcome back. I am really Derek to be here, Moises. <laughs> and joining us on the main show for the first time, uh, one of the leaders of, of Team Cockroach over on the team, the TV podcast who have been recapping The Good Place for three seasons uh, all the way through the finale. Uh, the one, the only Javier Matusevich. How are you, Javier? I'm in a perfect utopia, and yet I've got a stomachache. <laughs> uh, I thought that even though uh, one would assume if you're listening to a podcast about the entirety of the four seasons of The Good Place, especially the final season, uh, you you have hopefully probably watched the whole thing. We will do a spoiler horn uh, thing so that we can talk a little bit up front uh, about our general feelings about the show, uh, tease things in and hopefully roll uh, some of you toward watching The Good Place if you haven't watched it yet. Um, out of curiosity, have did all of us watch The Good Place from the beginning? Did anybody join in, join in watching a few episodes in after the first season started? Uh, Aline, did you start with the show from episode one? No, I'm trying to remember... We, I think we started watching it in the mid, or not the mid season, in the break between season one and season two. Um, and I think it was mostly because of Glenn and Jason raving about it, um, elsewhere in the incomparable extended universe that, um, my husband and I decided to give it a shot and didn't look back. It was so, so, so good. I have to ask, uh, Aline, how do you feel about the portrayal of Arizona? Um, so there are no Rite Aids in Phoenix. And I just I want to state that for the record, they repeatedly have Eleanor going to Rite Aid or talking about Rite Aid. They don't exist in the Phoenix metro area. <laughs> so it's not entirely accurate. I'm just going to say. Screw the show. I'm, uh, for, uh, I, I, I regret, <laughs> Good night, everybody. Regret everything yep. I liked about it. All right. Yep. The show's over. Uh, yep. Kelly. Uh, what you what, what when did you jump in with the show? Uh, what was your first uh, brush with the show? I too found it because uh, Jason Glenn in particular, but also Jason. Just it seemed like whatever you wanted to talk to them about, there would somehow end up being something about the good place inevitably as part of that conversation. And um, I think I got into it just before. Uh, just before the end of the first season, uh, they just kept talking about it. And eventually there was a panel about about uh, just season one at that point. And I remember being on that and talking uh, with Jason and Glenn and some other people about it. Um, it was uh, the thing that was a lot of fun about it to me was that it was very easy to catch up. And that's not usually the case with the show that's currently airing. So uh, it was very easy to get to watch it and get up to speed very quickly uh, so that I wasn't missing out on those conversations. Javier, were you in from episode one uh, or did you catch up to it later? 
No, I I wasn't on episode one. It does. It wasn't uh, airing here in Argentina for a while. So uh, I caught up to it when the people started raving about it in the incomparable stack. So it, it seems like I'm not very uh, original in my origin story. But yeah, Jason <laughs> and Glenn, all of them talking about it in the Slack. That's what got me through it. And I just inhaled the sh the show from a friend's account in Hulu and. The, the magic of VPNs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was watching from episode one and I, I had this inkling that there was something more to this show beyond the twist that we get in the first episode, um, which is that Eleanor Shellstrop as played by Kristen Bell, uh, feels like, uh, she is not supposed to be there, uh, because there's no way that she got into the good place. Um, it, it felt like there was something more. And the thing that I was nervous about going through that first season was decompression. But I very quickly got an appreciation for the fact that no, no, in fact, they were going to cover the ground that many other shows would cover in three seasons of a show in the span of a single short TV season. None of this 22, 25 episode season junk. Um, and, uh, back on incomparable 365, uh, the aforementioned Mr. Glenn Fleischman, who is spoken about, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's almost a landmark on incomparable shows at this point. He's, <laughs> he's not been on one for so long. Um, I think he was spoken about for more minutes during episode 500 than some people talked on episode 500. Um, Glenn inducted it into the TV hall of fame, uh, after a single season, And, uh, it is maybe the best, uh, completely uninformed, uh, other than just, you know, seeing what there is of things, not knowing what was to come. Didn't even know that it was going to be a total of four seasons, how long it was going to go. Uh, probably the best bet anybody's made on that kind of a thing. Hmm. Um, and, yeah. uh, I, I, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's difficult to fault the logic. Um, how does everyone feel about, The, uh, again, without going to spoilers and we'll, we'll blow off the spoiler horn here very shortly. Um, how do you feel about the show as it concluded? Did it, um, did it validate the promise of what came from that first season? That is what hooked so many of us, whether we maybe were spoiled on the twist at the end of season one or not spoiled on it, or, you know, came into season one at different points. What I want out of anything, uh, that I watch on television Uh, you know, streaming or not, whatever it is, uh, I want to I want to be entertained and I want to be told a good story. And uh, a, one of the big pieces of that for me is uh, character development. Like I want something to have advanced over the time that I've been watching. So if the main character is the same person at the end that he was at the beginning after everything has happened, I'm 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 not into that. Uh, and I felt like this show in particular uh, gave me a different it was interesting to me how much they were all together and how much everything they were doing was as a group but how everybody had very different storylines and very different things that happened to them and their character arcs were all so very different for as much time as they spent doing things together and that made it really interesting to watch even if it was an episode at the end of it you know if i was trying to relate it to somebody I, i would probably describe it as an episode where not a whole heck of a lot happened there was always stuff in it that that you could take away that was really enjoyable and i think um there for me it was it was absolutely worth it and uh 
while there may be stuff to pull apart about the ending, I, I definitely felt like it was absolutely worth it. And I would recommend it to people. It's not the kind of thing that, you know, oh, just watch season one and forget about the rest of them because they were all terrible. Like, it's nothing like that at all. It's a complete story. And I, I really respected that they went into it like we're not going to we're not going to do 40 episodes a year and we're not going to run it into the ground. Like, I have a story I want to tell. And this is how long it takes to tell. Yeah, uh, this is a sitcom, right? But it's not a, a regular sitcom. It, 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 the show keeps changing all the time. So if you have characters that just stay the same, then you're not given, you're not uh, allowed to progress with the story. This is a sitcom that has a, an underlying plot that keeps changing and keeps putting the characters in new situations. And that's what I what we loved about the show when we were doing Team Cockroach that. Every every week and every episode, there seemed to be like a new idea that uh, was going to become like a whole thing for the whole season or maybe the show. And like next week, they, they exploded that idea completely and picked up a new one. They they wouldn't run out of stuff to to say and to try. And that was incredibly entertaining. Uh, but also it kept moving the characters at a breakneck pace, making them improve constantly and uh, be challenged and go back and go further and explore uh, their their inner depths in a way. That's something that I want to get into more on the other side of the spoiler horn, uh, like the notion of bottle episodes, common in sitcoms, common in lots of episodic TV. Uh, they, they upended various uh, conventions that you expect from those sorts of things all along the way. But again, to get into that would be too spoilery. Aline, uh, how do you feel the overall arc of the story of The Good Place played out? I think I think it was really well done overall. Um you know the, the first season there the twist at the end of the first season I had no idea what was coming and I kind of expected the second season to be kind you know more of the same of the first season uh just you know slightly different timeline because they all got their memories wiped and that's not what they did. That's not how they approached it. And so I thought it was really, I thought they did a really good job of kind of laying the groundwork and then establishing a format and then kind of blowing it up, but not in a way that was jarring. Or that didn't play fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel disingenuous. It gave us, you know, we got bits and pieces throughout the remaining seasons of kind of what happened during those other timelines. Um, and they could have gone on, right? They could have done more. There, there were stories that were teased that we'll never, um, we'll never be able to see, which is kind of sad, um, in a few specific cases for me. But I thought that, I thought they did such a good job of, like Kelly said, of saying, okay, this is, we have a story we want to tell. This is how we're going to tell that story and remaining true to it because they could have gone on for another few seasons, um, but that wasn't what the story needed. And I'm glad that they didn't in a lot of ways. So we're going to go ahead and blow off the spoiler horn and uh, jump into uh, the many, many spoilers of The Good Place. Oh, good. Um, I, I think uh, I think a, a light touch on jumping through all four seasons um, maybe behooves us uh, as a, as a means of kind of telegraphing uh, how how we feel about the way things wrapped up. So if you haven't watched The Good Place, it is available in a variety of countries on a variety of services that I didn't do uh, all the homework 
homework, uh, like Eleanor didn't read all the philosophy homework given to her. Um, but, it's on Netflix, basically. Uh, it's, on, it's, on Netflix, it's on Netflix basically everywhere outside but, the United except States. Except in the U.S., yeah. And I guess in the U.S. it'll be on Peacock for any of us who actually pay for it um, mm. in the months following this being recorded and released. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Bad Janet, send us away. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. Bad Janet has indeed been in here. Uh, that was, that was, that was one hell of a foghorn there. Good Lord. Um, we, we just, we don't get, we don't get the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the luxuries of the main panel. We, uh, we have to deal with off brand aftermarket Janets. Um, before, before we jump through the various, uh, the various seasons of the show, I wanted to kind of go a little bit apocalyptically, um, and, uh, and, and just go around the horn and, and ask everybody what some of their favorite surprises were. And to lead off, I wanted to actually lead off with Bad Janet, um, because she is the type of surprise that hit during the show that, uh, that I was not expecting, uh, that was incredibly off brand for what I was expecting from Darcy Carden's magnificent performance, uh, which I'll, I'll circle back around to how much I absolutely adore that performance. Um, but, uh, it, it is a great great exemplar of something that we got throughout the show that that just came out of nowhere i didn't have a way to expect it and uh like i i mentioned as 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 aline was was so eloquently putting things um she's an example of a surprise coming out of nowhere that plays fair and isn't like the, the kinds of surprises that other shows pull on you where they go oh but it was a magical wizard that did blah 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 or something um it was just it was an old fashioned trick uh, the fact that there was such a thing as a bad Janet, um, not that we knew that those things existed. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, what surprises uh, delighted you, uh, shocked you, uh, made you giggle? Uh, Kelly, we should start with the giggler in chief. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the first of all, the, the twist at the end of season one, um, I was hooked on the show when Eleanor started going. I'm that you know at the end of the the first episode when she's like I'm not supposed to be here, I was I, that was what reeled me in and kept me watching, and um, finding out that um, that not only was she right about not belonging in the good place, but finding out that she was that this was in fact the bad place, uh, that I thought was. What, like I absolutely did not expect that in any way. We talked about it on on the other panel, and um, the thing that I loved about that moment, and this this is part of part of why I knew I was a hundred percent in, however many seasons they were going to do, was because Michael was the same guy, even after you know that. Because if you go back and watch again, he still wants it to be successful. He's still really earnest about it. He still wants to be succeeding. It's just that what you thought it was that he was doing wasn't what he was actually doing. But he, 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 he was very upfront about like all of his intentions. He wanted it to be, it was his first neighborhood. He's trying really hard to impress his boss. You know, all those things were still true. And to go from there, uh, through the rest of it and finding out, um, like the infrastructure around all of the afterlife, like that, like finding out those little bits and pieces here and there to me was fascinating. Um, you know, like you bad Janet, uh, discovering there is in fact a medium place, 
um, was another one that I thought was was really entertaining. And the way that Mindy kept sort of coming back through, not just like surprise, you know, she was never a plot twist after the first time we found out that she existed. Um, but she w- but she never came up in a weird way. It wasn't like cousin Oliver coming for a visit. It was very like like maybe it was unexpected, but it wasn't really a surprise. And so uh, she was uh, probably my one of my other very favorite moments. But like everything that came up sort of uh, like you guys were saying, you know, um, it didn't uh, it always played fair. It was never really out of nowhere. Uh, and I liked some of the stuff that went on in the background that we never that we never really got to find out about, like a lava demon or a lava monster. <laughs> um, like we, we don't know anything about him. We don't know what his deal is or, or anything. And, you know, as soon as we saw Michael drawing up the draft, the first thing I thought was, I want to watch that show. Like I wanted in the off season to get like a workplace comedy about the architects. I, I would still watch that. Aline. Oh, surprises. I don't There's so much, that did delight and surprise about everything. I think, I don't think I can point to a specific moment or beat or anything, but just. Or maybe just the general nature of the way that they handled surprises, which is, I mean, the, that's the fuel that makes this show move in some ways. Yeah. And they, I think, I think the most delightful thing to me is that. It wasn't lost, right? It wasn't like we oh, didn't, we didn't have we, a plan. We didn't have a plan. Right? This is right? uh, this explains this, right? What, right? What does the smoke monster mean? What what's up with oh. the polar bears? What's going on with the sharks? It was like and and there's so many things with lost that we never we never found out about, right? Where and there were big mysteries and veiled and whatever. And with the good place, it was like you could tell. They had such a deep mythology for everything, you know, the the whole Janet infrastructure, like everything to do with all of the Janets. There's a freaking neutral Janet and she is boring and neutral. And I mean, it's so it's so much fun. And you I, I get that sense. I got that sense through the entirety of the show that there were things that they had thought about that were only hinted at. Um, but it gave us enough information that it was like, oh, I see what they did there. That's really clever. And there's enough room for imagination to kind of go wild. But at the same time, um, it's, it's enough information that I didn't feel short shrifted at the end of the whole thing. Javier? Um, I, I think I love the moment where the team cockroaches is like assembling and Michael is, keeps rebooting everyone and it, uh, it seems like they have to beat Michael some way and suddenly he's joining them because he's facing like bigger issues than himself. And I think that's like a, a huge reversal and it happens like in episode three and then he has to stick through it. He has to stay with them and, and learn to be not a demon <laughs> and uh, get better. And that's the, the throwly problem issue where he's still like... Uh, just a, basically a demon and he has to get on board. And that's like a, such a great reversal for the show. I, I love that. I also love uh, Tahani deciding that the answer is just get a manager, talk to the judge 
when everything seems like it's lost. <laughs> that's that's my favorite my favorite episode ever. She she figures it out. They have to talk to the manager, and that comes up again in the last episode. So I thought that was lovely. So slightly different ways in which I wanted to attack each of the seasons, uh, partly because season one is a little ways back in, in most of our memory. Uh, oh, not yeah. everybody rewatches the entire show just as the last season of a show is hitting. Uh, so what? I wanted, uh, not everybody <laughs> does. I know what? it's the craziest it's thing. So weird. Uh, so strange. <laughs> Um, but thinking back on season one, knowing what we know about the way that the show wrapped up and everything, uh, do you feel like revisiting season one is something that there are yet more layers, uh, to get to it than even, even if you've already rewatched season one during the course of the show's run, uh, is it, is it rewatchable? Is it helped by the fact that the show did these shorter seasons that aren't 20 episodes long where every single episode has a purpose and has a place in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Javier, how do, how do you feel about the rewatchability of the first season of the show? I think it's definitely rewatchable. It's a brilliant piece of entertainment and you have great character development and honestly, some of my fondest memories from the show, but I also having not rewatched it in a while, in like a couple of years, uh, I don't think there's the level of preciousness in the, the last season so that you could find new things, but maybe someone else in this very panel that has seen it um, not so long ago can say something more about that. But personality, I just think that uh, it's a great season on its own merits. And in many ways, it's probably the best season uh, I just think that there's such a change between season one and, and seasons two, three, and four that make it uh, harder to to think about it like uh, a part of the series. It feels like a, uh, like Battlestar Galactica where they did like a couple of episodes and then they make like a whole series. That's like two separate things that work very well together and, and they're connected, but they're not the same. Aline, uh, knowing, knowing what we know, uh, I guess about Sean, uh, to some extent where he talks a big <laughs> game, uh, but it turns out that he loves the back and forth. He loves, uh, he loves playing the foil. That is what gives he lives for the banter, he lives for the banter. Um, do you, do you feel like season one is, is, is rewatchable, uh, in, in this time of, of limited time? Yeah, I, I do. And I think the whole thing is, is rewatchable. Um, I mean, the end of season three just makes me ugly cry every time I watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it really does hold up. And I think that, um, again, going back to my admiration for them having a good idea of where things were going throughout, throughout the series, um, is that, um, when you rewatch or when I rewatch, I notice different things. And so there'll be something in an early episode that they tie in much, much later. And I don't catch, I don't catch it until I, I rewatch. I talk about it like I rewatch it frequently. I think I've watched the entirety. I think I've watched the first three seasons like three times and <laughs> then the last season once. So it's not like I'm like perpetually rewatching it every week, but 
I do think that there are things that that come back around and you're like, oh, yeah, I get that. And I really, mm-hmm. you know, as a fan, I think a lot of fans, we kind of appreciate that payoff. Um, but also as someone who doesn't have a super great memory, I appreciate that I could rewatch <laughs> and um, and be OK with, you know, with what's happening. You know, we're introduced to so many things that become essential throughout the whole show. Uh, we see Janet die for the first time or be reset. Um, we're introduced to Trevor, uh, one of the greatest dirtbags in the history of television. Um, we get a look at the deaths and lives of uh, of Team Cockroach, um, the actors, not the podcasters. Uh, we we have we have the kind of back and forth between Michael and Sean, who have that kind of antagonism between the two of them from the very beginning, and it it's in seeing that that relationship change subtly uh, that of of all the things in the show, that was one of the things that surprised me the most um, was was seeing that relationship go back to almost exactly where it was at the beginning of the show. And and that be one of the few uh, relationships that, uh, that that was the case for. Um, and it, I, I liked it uh, at first I thought, Oh, well, this is great. It's going to show the, the way that all these things have changed, but if anything, moving back to that equilibrium, seeing the changes along the way uh, were incredibly satisfying for me. So I, I want to grow up and, and be like a lean and, and have rewatched the show three times um, <laughs> until I'm that good. I'm, I'm just going to have to rely on, on what Kelly thinks uh, about the rewatchability of season one. I think it's unbelievably watchable and it's because even when you, like I said, even when you know, he's, he's not working for the side you thought he was working for he's he's the same dude and it's really interesting to watch to watch that when you go in knowing it um and then also uh like the little like aline was saying you know you pay attention to other stuff so like noticing that on the wall it says welcome everything is fine but that's crooked it's not straight across the wall and like little like some of the little stuff like that like noticing like when the when the picture on the wall changes because it's not doug forsyth anymore it's you know like uh at some point in michael's office it becomes pictures of the four of them and you know some of like just some of the little things that you you see later like you know um the guy his name escapes me now but one of the demons who is obsessed with biting people um you know which is just a uh, Glenn, yeah, like yeah. wants to of wants course. to bite everyone. Of course, all the his time. name is Glenn, <laughs> <laughs> and of course that's why I forgot it. Um, uh, like the 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 things that that you sort of notice, like once you sort of have the broad strokes of what's happening, um, getting to dig in and pay attention. Like every time they walk through the neighborhood, the name of the ones the name of one of the restaurants is different. Every time, like every time they walk through the neighborhood, you you know, when they like every time they got rebooted and you got to see the experiment, like reading all the signs for all the stuff in the neighborhood was hilarious every time. And you can pay a little more attention to that stuff because you already know, like the conversation that they're having or, you know, where this episode goes. So I think it's absolutely rewatchable. And also because like at different points, there are different parts of the show that are going to resonate because like, yeah, it's, it's a sitcom. It's supposed to be, you know, this funny, this funny thing, but like there was more than one point where I cried at it. Like I got like super invested in these characters and their relationships. And, you know, the end of episode three will destroy me also. However many times I watch it for the rest of my life, Um, it's going to be like that 
and um, that scene and say anything. And when they have to tell Big Bird that Mr. Hooper died, I will cry at all three of those things forever for the rest of my life. If I don't, it's because I'm pod people and you need to get help. For for the benefit of people who don't remember episode three precisely, what happens at the end of episode three? Uh, season three. Oh, season um, three. Oh, okay. Yeah. The end of season three uh, where uh, uh, Chidi volunteers to be the one who... Um, who to be one of the experiments one of the subjects of the experiment and give up eleanor and all of his memories and everything and go be one of those people and and like on top of doing that he sort of has to convince eleanor that this is the right move that it's okay for him to do this and that everything will be fine and she just sort of has to like she has to not only have faith that that's going to be that that's how it's going to turn out but she, you know she has to live with all of that knowledge that he doesn't have to live with like he willingly gave it up so he doesn't know any of that as they go through season four and uh you know and she does and she has to like try to make decisions that aren't based on you know i i want my honey back and it's really um and and watching watching the end of that and watching like everybody come to that conclusion and watching her having to do it and him having to do it is really really hard and and that that calls back to what we get in season one, which is the only real full uh, reset worth of story where we see the whole thing play out. We see portions of different resets um, uh, until that isn't even really a thing or a part of the show. Uh, but it very much is is the is the template for shorthanding a lot of things that becomes important from the first episode of season two. Where the the speculation between seasons one and two was, oh, how are they going to top this? Oh, and people were saying they're just going to reset over and over and over again. Um, but it turns out that they just went through that in the two part season opener and <laughs> and said, guess what? Guess what? This is not going to be what you thought it was going to be. Um, so we uh, in, in season two, th- this this is where I think a lot of people found that the show went from good to instant great, um, where they just uh, they just ran out of runway intentionally on various things and just said, nope, that's not going to work. Nope, that's not going to work. Um, we uh, we have Michael uh, trying to trying to figure out what his existence even is. Uh, hmm. And we we see we see the change happen with him throughout season two. Um, the, uh, the, the existence of Derek, uh, comes into play, uh, and Derek, Derek's all over the place. There's <laughs> yet more, uh, goofiness with Sean, uh, falsified reports that, uh, get them both, uh, promotions. Um, there's the, the competition thing that becomes, uh, something of a, of a trend that we see throughout the rest of the show. Um, we go inside bad place headquarters, one of my favorite places to go because it is among the most farcical, ridiculous, um, uh, bizarre places. Um, and of course, uh, we, uh, we have the, uh, the, the, uh, the concept of, uh, the burrito, uh, introduced and, uh, we end the season um, with, uh, with, uh, with Eleanor watching Chidi's three hour long, what we owe to each other lecture. Uh, and this is after, uh, this is after, uh, a lot of stuff has happened. Um, so season two, a lot, a lot of ground is covered. It felt like three seasons worth of show 
shoved into 13 episodes. Um, how, how vivid are your memories of season two at this point? Uh, I feel like I should start with Aline, um, because, uh, it is constantly on a loop, uh, in the background <laughs> of every room in your house. That's right. Um, every iPad plays the good place constantly. Um, it's season two is, was great. We learn a lot more about, uh, Eleanor specifically, like all of the characters, but really get into Eleanor a lot more. Um, learn a lot about her motivation for doing things, which is basically like she wants a reward, um, which is why she needs to take moral philosophy classes. Um, and I think, um, let's see, season two, they're on Earth. So it's really the coming together of the group again, kind of in their, you know, not in the bad place and seeing what happens. And I like, I like the way they play off of each other. I like the way they get to know each other again. I like, um, the introduction of Simone, who is a great character with, you know, an amazing actress. And just real, um, just real quick. So they don't actually get to earth until season three. Oh, that's season yeah. three. Yeah. Well, then mm-hmm. don't rely on me for anything. <laughs> anything. Well, to, to your point, season two, we meet the judge. Uh, that's right. We meet the judge. We have oh, a judge. lot of the, um, the, uh, th- this is, this is where Michael is having to hide from Sean the fact that, uh, everything has been rebooted and that his experiment was a failure, uh, at least in the early going of it. Um, and the, uh, and now I'm getting, uh, turned around. So Javier, see? Javier, see? feel free to jump in. Well, and this is, this is one of the things that I find about the show is that it feels like these are just phases of one huge interconnected story yeah. and it's easy to mm-hmm. lose track of it. Um, and one of the few sign po- posts that I had in trying to put together notes for this was, uh, season three starts on earth. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, Javier, uh, how, in, in season two, we've got the trolley problem. Uh, we, yeah. uh, oh, not- man. Uh, <laughs> bring a poncho. We get the goodbye party for the, for the, the humans before they, they are caught by Sean. We got the, the balloon, the, the balloon that Michael tells them that oh, the we're going to, to the good place, but it's not actually real, but he thought he will figure it out. We get, um, well, we get Michael having like his midlife crisis about uh, death, where he uh, oh. where he gets the the sports car and yeah <laughs> the earring and the earring. That's, that's an excellent <laughs> moment. The existential crisis, yeah. He has like the, a face that uh, I keep harking back to that face of, of of pure horror when he finds out that he can not exist anymore. That's it's just mm-hmm. great. And uh, we also get well the judge and the, the burrito, and we uh, we we find ourselves at the end of season two. Uh, Michael confesses to Sean, uh, who doesn't retire him, and decides to imprison him instead. Um, the uh, the 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 red herring that that they use at the end of season two is what we think is a bad Janet is in fact our Janet. Um, who yeah. has been mm-hmm. embedded undercover with Sean the entire time. Um, and the end of season two is, uh, is, is we, we have, we have gone through multiple memory wipes, multiple resets. Um, and, uh, there is, there is the, uh, the monitoring of all of the humans in the real world. Um, and that's, that's where we leave 
uh, season two, uh, where Eleanor sees the, sees the YouTube lecture, uh, and, uh, Michael and Janet are kind of thumbing the scale a little bit and nudging them toward each other in this, in this new test, in this test to prove to the judge that, that indeed they, uh, they, they do deserve, uh, another chance and so on. Um, and, and that's where we leave season two and start season three and, uh, season three spends a lot of time in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> um, with uh, one of the most hilarious uh, chain restaurant concepts I've ever seen has the most ridiculous uh, meal specials um, maybe in existence. I feel like as the Texan, you really get to talk about the restaurant more than the rest of us in the United States, because I really feel like they lean into stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and Javier can maybe uh, chime in on the way that Argentina is uh, portrayed in, uh, in, in media. Um, <laughs> Texas, Texas is a, is a whole thing. People wonder why I'm not wearing <laughs> cowboy boots and a hat and where I hitch my horse. Um, the first restaurant I went to in Toronto, the first time I went to Canada was a Texas barbecue, you know, honky tonk styled place because I thought, Oh, this will be hilarious. And in fact, it was, but it was the boring version of this uh, Texas-ish restaurant in Australia. Australia has a lot of things in common with Texas. Don't get me wrong, um, but this—it it was it, in the show. It was hilarious to me um, because it was—it was so over the top that it was it, only Americans could come up with something that over the top Texan um, to be uh, to be put in Australia. It is probably the best. Uh, stereotypical roasting of Texas that I've seen <laughs> in a long time um, because it's it's not this is what Texas is. It's this is the ridiculous cartoon version of Texas people believe exists, um, <laughs> which is something that bugs me uh, about the the assumptions people make about different places, which I would tie to the incredibly over the top uh, portrayals of Jacksonville in Arizona, yeah. um, which Okay, well, Jacksonville is kind of terrible, um, <laughs> to be honest. And parts of Arizona are not so good. Okay, so forget everything I said. Uh, um, yeah, I, having having Janet uh, delivering orders and being frustrated and uh, and not having the the best time. Uh, I, I liked, uh, I liked seeing, I liked seeing everyone miserable all at the same time, uh, in, in a place where, uh, nobody was particularly comfortable. Um, the thing about season three that I thought, um, maybe, uh, we could, we could dig into a little bit is, um, it starts off pretty promising. We have the snow plow. We have Jeremy Barramy. It's where Chidi sees the time knife. Um, mm -hmm. we have all kinds of, uh, pandemonium happen, literal pandemonium, um, mm -hmm. And it's the season that I found a lot of people tend to refer to as uh, it was kind of OK or it kind of lost them at a certain point or they found themselves wondering where it was going. Um, how looking back on our memories of season three, which are still relatively fresh as it um, as it it all dropped oh, toward the end of 2018 and into the first weeks of 2019. Um, what did you think of season three as a whole? Uh, did it. Did it wax and wane for you? Did it uh, live up to the promise of season two right off the bat? Anybody who wants to jump in. Yeah, I thought it was a, a very uneven season. It had very good moments, but in general, it also had some not so great moments. At the beginning, you, you get all the, the time knife stuff and all, all that repetition. And it seemed like the show was running out of ideas. And then they sent the humans to Earth. And then you say, okay, this is going to be interesting, but... The thing is, 
the whole time on Earth, it felt like a bottle up episode. It it didn't really progress in in the same way that they used to progress when it was the, back in the fake good place. So that kind of took away some extra steam, and and already at the beginning of the of the season, it seemed like it was running out of steam. So that that wasn't the, the best season, but it still it didn't have like a super low lows. It had like uh, just medium blows. It, it was fine. It was entertaining. I still watched. But yeah, it, we were wondering for a while what was going to happen with that season. Kelly, was uh, was season three the Donkey Doug of seasons or the Larry Hemsworth of seasons? <laughs> <laughs> mm, you know, I think part of it is, uh, like Javier said, uh, the... Like it had of the series, it had its lows. But if you were to compare those lows to most other units of television, uh, it's still going to be, you know, far above a lot of those. Um, I think this was a little bit of it. It it did feel like um, this was the one where they really did run out of runway as opposed to like setting it up so that they would run out of runway, you know, and turn everything inside out again. There were about three or four episodes where I was sort of going, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. And I'm not entirely convinced that it's what that I want to continue. Um, like, it's been a lot of fun. So like, but like, if they can't pull out of this, I, I, you know, I watched Lost. Fool me once, you know. Um, <laughs> and and uh like luckily you know they did they did sort of like pull it back around and we got to we got to a point where where it got to be fun again because some of it i think felt just a little random for randomness sake like let's do this and see what happens and it was not great uh so yeah i think i think um it i think it definitely i wouldn't characterize the entire season as donkey dug but they did sort of tap dance into donkey dug territory hmm. <laughs> Uh, Aline, we, uh, we had kind of half of the season, um, involve the, you know, once again, reset of everybody's memories. Nobody knows mm -hmm. anybody. And, uh, Michael and, and, uh, Janet are kind of trying to nudge them together and so on. And about halfway through, um, Eleanor gets her memories restored. She and Chidi, uh, you know, run off. We meet Doug Forsett. Uh, one of my favorite moments from the show, um, mm -hmm. which came during a weird part of this season, uh, because <laughs> any excuse to visit Michael McKeon, well, golly, um, we had the Janet's episode for crying out loud, um, where, uh, where Darcy Carden got to do, uh, some of the craziest, best stuff. One of the best episodes of anything ever. Uh, it really is. Uh, yeah. how, how, how do you, how do you reconcile the, the uneven lopsided, weird, uh, awkward teenage season that is season three? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest. I, I think it's just my brain and how I get bored with things that are the same every week. Like, you know, you have Star Trek, right? And Star Trek, the next generation, it's awesome. It's great. There, there are some through lines that you get the, that you're like, haha, I get that joke or I understand how they're building up these poker games to be amazing. But you know, when you go into Star Trek, when you go into especially like the classic, um, the original series and the next generation, like every episode has the same quality and feel to it. It's like 
I don't know, for me, putting on a comfortable sweater. I know what to expect. Part of this is because I watched it incessantly growing up. But like, you know, you you, you get to a point with, with a lot of TV shows where it's like, oh, I know how the formula, I know what the formula of an episode is. And with The Good Place... It kind of felt like I, I never was quite sure what would happen from episode to episode or season to season, especially after the first season where, you know, there, there were episodes where we get like three resets and there were episodes that, you know, we get a longer arc. And so I appreciated that the third season was happening on earth. I appreciated the different, um, tone of the show and how it felt like the stakes were different in a lot of ways bigger i mean it was it was a reset but we didn't have the expectation that there could be a reset like that was off the table and it was more a matter of looking at okay how are they going to get out of this yeah exactly and i appreciated that and especially because it felt like you know, the first two seasons, once you know that they're in the bad place, it's like, okay, so we're going to just have this series that's infinite torture forever. And how is Michael going to ultimately outspart them? And that's not what the series turned out to be. And I liked that. And season three really exemplified that, I thought, in that it was completely different from anything that we saw before. And there were stakes. I mean, there was literally like fighting for their souls. And so I didn't... I didn't feel like it was uneven, and it sounds like maybe I'm in the minority minority here. But give me three or four lines I can laugh at, and I think I'm in good shape. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think I think even even using the adjective uneven, it's difficult when applied to this show because when applied to other shows, it's oh, it's you know not what you expect, and this it's more um, we spent longer with we were used to faster resets and changes of um of the settings and so it it kind of slowing things down relatively speaking i think was a bit jarring for people at the time but but by the time it it really doesn't take up that much of season three it's almost like what i would compare to reading a comic book as it comes out monthly and reading the trade paperback when everything's collected where when you're able to see the longer arc of what's happening those first few episodes of season three uh, aren't slow at all. In fact, you get to luxuriate in some of the additional character work that you get, not just for the expositional purpose of introducing some other characters and other dynamics, um, but it it really is getting more of that, you know, crunchy character development with the people that we know that we love uh, so much. Um, and for me, it was something that I didn't, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you really uh, where I found people going, uh, I don't know. I think the show's lost the, lost the lead. And I didn't feel that way at all. And I had trouble understanding where people were coming from. And it took a lot of people explaining to me exactly why they know everything about TV, uh, for me to get where, where some of them were coming from. But I think, I think a lot of it is that the show so constantly subverts expectations that it was, it was more jarring that, that they, that we were so many phases past not knowing what was going to happen next and not knowing just how much of season three we were going to be spending in Australia. Um, but it, I mean, it pays off. We get, we get episode nine, the, uh, the, the episode in Alberta, Canada, otherwise known as the Texas of the far North. Uh, we meet, <laughs> D- we meet Doug Forsett and he's being bullied by 
by local toughs and snails and snails, <laughs> poor snails. Um, we have the Janet's episode right after that, uh, which I feel we should talk about the Janet's episode. Uh, the main the main show did not do an episode about season three um, and thus robbing incomparable listeners an opportunity <laughs> to hear a discussion of this episode in particular. Uh, I am 100 percent with Aline. I feel like it is one of the best single episodes of TV I've ever seen. It is incredibly moving. And I did not realize that, uh, A, the words, I got you, dog, were going to ever come out of Darcy Carden's mouth <laughs> as Janet, or that it would absolutely leave me a sobbing mess. Um, Aline, to, to start off with, since uh, you are so passionate about it as well, uh, wh- what are some of the things that you loved so much about this 10th episode of season three that paid off so much and laid the groundwork for so much? Oh, Darcy Carden just... Every once in a while, there's an episode of a TV show where you're like, I thought that that person was a good actor, but I guess I didn't understand how good they are. And that was my episode with Darcy Carden in The Good Place. She nailed it. Like, and learning all of the prep work that kind of went into to those episodes where she like sat with the different actors um, and went over how they would play the lines as it was said so that she could get mannerisms and whatever done or nail all of that down it was, I mean, that was amazing to learn about, but it, it also is this, I don't know. It, it feels like a, a, a masterclass in storytelling, I guess, because how do you get one actress to portray all of these different characters um and also advance the story and and they did it and i think they did it really really well in in kind of stripping people this sounds very wrong but stripping people of like <laughs> their identities like their identifying characteristics the way their appearance the way we think about it um in a lot of ways, I feel like got us, gave us the chance to get to the heart of who they are and what's important to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it, yeah. it takes mm-hmm. takes taking away the window dressing, and just getting to the core of who everybody was. Javier, uh, how how do you feel about Janet's episode ten of season three? I remember liking the episode in particular, but right now I don't feel like it made a big impact on me, and maybe that's because coming from season one and coming from season two season one where they they clearly didn't uh, the creators didn't know that they were going to be able to make a second season so they were trying to do everything then they had this big reveal at the end so it all like uh, moved so fast and then you get season two and sure they're not they don't have like a great idea like they did for season one for like the overarching plot but they still do have uh many many ideas to try so we kind of let it pass and lend it uh, uh, the ability to continue and see if one of these ideas maybe works and then comes season three and it seems like we don't know where the show is going and it seems like it's slowing down so the big thing that redeemed any possible fear of uh, of a resolution that uh, was uh, satisfactory was kind of gone and so at the end of season three, we were all kind of wondering, is season four going to continue on the same path? And is there going to be like 10 seasons and are they going to 
completely dry dry out the the idea well or are they going to get a, a good finale and now that i've seen season four and now, now that i know that the show ends satisfactorily i feel like i could enjoy season three <laughs> a lot more kelly uh how do you feel about janet's I loved it so much. And I think um I think this was the point where where I was kind of back in, like, you know, I I was still sort of watching and I wasn't as excited about it as I had been. And then we got this episode and I okay, well I, like I didn't feel like they could have pulled this off if they didn't know what they were doing. And again, Darcy Carden, holy wow. And I really enjoyed uh watching the whole thing and I really enjoyed watching uh Janet's version of everybody. I, I, you know, mm. because it was still because it was very much because it was to me it was fascinating to see it be Janet, absolutely, but also absolutely Cheaty at the same time or Eleanor at the same time or Jason at the same time and it was awesome and like watching that like going through that episode and watching all of these people having these conversations um and and you know aline like you said advancing the plot you know while with this whole other layer of insanity on top of it was really really impressive to watch and i think that was the point when i sort of gave all my faith back to the show and went i know that this is like i know it's going to be okay um, they, there's no way anybody would have bothered doing this if it wasn't going to give, if it wasn't setting something up that we were going to get paid off. Like I have a lot more faith in it. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't exciting as it used to be, but it's much, but that I think was what crystallized season three for me as like, it went from, I love this show to, I like this show. And this was where it took it back to love. I completely, uh, I completely agree. I think, I think that's the experience that a lot of people had. Uh, and in looking back on it, you know, I think I realize, oh, yeah, that's right. That's when we had the Ballad of Donkey Doug and we got to see the energy drink body spray hybrid oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> heist thing uh, where we realized, oh, dip, Donkey Doug is Jason's dad. What? <laughs> um, we get to see a ridiculously ripped Cheaty uh, with his shirt <laughs> off. We get to see the mushroom peep chili. <laughs> Uh, season three is the unjustly maligned season of the show, I think, is, is what I came around <laughs> to believing. Um, yeah. Following on from Janet's, we go right into the book of Doug's, uh, which uh, the, the end of that episode takes us to the Good Place Correspondence Center, a.k.a. Post Office. Oh, my gosh. And the glimpse at actual Good Place people that we have is fascinating to me. And this isn't a political podcast, as Jason is fond of hearing my uh, my favorite catchphrase that I say all the time on this show. Um, but the the politics of um, good place architects uh, being ashamed and resigning rather than doing better and doing good work, um, I found hilarious in today's political uh, climate um, where uh, where people would rather just give up and say that they have failed uh, than than just uh, get their heads down and, and do the right thing. Um, and uh, Chidi sees the time knife and uh, and it breaks him again. We learn about Jeremy Baramy. We. Uh, we have we have all of this stuff uh, swirling around and happening, and then we end season three with a new batch of experiment people, and we already know one of them, Simone, uh, and uh, Michael has a breakdown, and Eleanor has to uh, cosplay as the architect, 
And, uh, one of them is a gossip columnist who, um, just, uh, uh relentlessly, uh, destroyed Tahani in the press. Um, and, uh, and I don't think we meet our fourth one until the beginning of season four. Um, but we meet those three at least. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, season three is, 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 uh, as mentioned earlier, where Chidi makes the noble sacrifice and says, uh, delete me, uh, delete all of my stuff and I will make the sacrifice so that we can get one more shot. And so now we find ourselves back toward, uh, the present. We're back, uh, we're to season four. Um, let's, let's go with kind of an overview feel for how you feel season four stuck the landing that they set up for themselves. This was a, this was an ending that they knew how much time they had. They had a long arc in terms of an outline of how they wanted to end things. They ended things on their terms, um, according to the writers and, and, and showrunner. Um, how do you feel they used this specific, uh, measured piece of runway to, to land things for the show? I, I like the way that the, they they chose to end the show. I I do quarrel about uh, with the the timeline. I feel like there are a lot of episodes going about around the 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 experiment that don't really completely pay off. I feel like there's a lot that could be could be cut down, and I feel like the, the last uh, couple of episodes felt a bit rushed, particularly the penultimate episode it felt very rushed it felt like they came to the conclusion of uh, allowing people to die very quickly and everyone was on board and i know that they set it up on season one or or season two or whatever but i still feel like they they should have maybe taken two episodes to explain it or simplify the plot a bit but overall and knowing that season four was the last season I thought that it was a pretty good ending. And uh, even though it's sad that even in a fictional universe, the forever can't last forever and everything must end and everything must die. I understand that to make it believable for the audience, you have to like harken back to, to something that they can uh, connect emotionally. And so the introduction of death, it's pretty brilliant, honestly. Aline, how do you feel about season four? I'm still trying to wrap my head around the conclusion, I think. Mostly I think about Michael living his life as a human and then he's going to get back and everybody's going to be gone. And Mm. I'm like, that's really sad. Um, But kind of this whole, I don't know. So you live your life on Earth and then you go to reform school in the afterlife (laughs) And then you enjoy immortality for as long as you want to. And then you die for real. Like, I don't know. It felt (laughs) very, I don't know, like going through school, I guess. So you're, you're going through elementary school on earth and then you get to middle high school and then you get to be a grown up and actually do what you want to do without paying bills, which is really the dream. Right. (laughs) But, um, at some point you, you actually do die. If you want to, and I, I don't know. Um, I do grapple with my thoughts on like, do I really want to have an eternity with myself? I don't know about that, but, um, I am not 
super sure how I feel about the ending. And maybe that's appropriate because I'm not super sure how I feel about death. So yeah. <laughs> it all it all works out. <laughs> This episode got real not depressing at all. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly, how'd you feel about season four? Aline will be right back. Uh, she's going to go. She's going to go buy a sports car and get her ear pierced and take up with Janet. Yeah, please. Um, I, I was disappointed only in that uh, we didn't get to spend more time in the good place because we were only there for two episodes. Mm. And yeah. uh, I, I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know that I felt like it was rushed, like you were saying, Javier, but, uh, I felt like I missed out, I think, because, you know, we spent so long in the bad place. We even got a medium place. Um, hmm. you know, we went to the judge's chambers, uh, you know, the judge and, and, and her Netflix addiction, um, <laughs> specific to Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> It was, you know, that, that was one of those. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and Maya Rudolph, like I have to take a moment and like, wow, mm -hmm. Maya Rudolph. Um, I love her. But I loved, like, I, I really thought this was going to be a whole new avenue for more hmm. of those little things to pay off, like in throwbacks to season one to when we thought it was the good place. So hmm. I was really sad that we were only there for two episodes because I really wanted to find out more about about that place and like the ways that that was going to be funny, you know, like what if it like, it, you know, in the bad place, it was frozen yogurt because it's a very human thing to take something great and mm. ruin it ruin just it. a little bit so you can have more. <laughs> and, you know, and like, I wanted to know then, then what, what do they have in the good place? Like, is it ice cream or is it still frozen yogurt? One of the things that, that struck me <laughs> during one of those episodes where we are in the good place uh, is that, you know, when that one guy is asking Janet in the, in the Patty episode, just asking her for all of this stuff, um, e even after it gets improved and the whole process gets improved, the notion of perfect utopia is you get everything that you want whenever you want it and everything's good and nothing's really bad. Um, I can understand part of where they're coming from being, the notion that that's boring, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I feel like it would have been nice for them to show us how that is boring just a little bit more, not to mm -hmm. the point that it wears out its welcome, but, um, show us that even after the improvements, uh, sticking around too long and watching that is a little bit like why we skipped those 802 resets in season two. Um, yeah to dig into season four a little bit more, uh, in an outline -y sense, we start out with a new team cockroach, uh, team cockroach nouveau, you might say. <laughs> um, and our, uh, our original team cockroach are themselves, uh, like Janet and Michael were in season three, trying to put their thumb on the scale and make things work out and, and win the competition with the bad place to show that yes, in fact, these people can be improved and yes, it is possible. They realize that in fact, uh, the whole system is, uh, is, is still not a good system. Uh, and that it's, it's not so much that they didn't do a good job enough of proving, uh, of proving the, uh, the potential for people to improve, but that the entire system, it, there's a reason that people have not made it into the good place in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, going back to when life was much simpler and people died much faster. Um, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of loved, 
of of the various things in those oh uh seven ish eight uh episodes um we got we got some more new things that i couldn't have possibly uh imagined like the chip driver mystery series um <laughs> I, I just oh. uh, uh i brent uh, brent is i from listening to the good place the podcast um I, I, the actor himself is nothing like the character, but he plays the entitled male chauvinist so perfectly that it's not parody. <sighs> These people are, they are, they are parodies of reasonable, rational thought themselves, but it is such a vivid portrayal. I felt attacked. Um, <laughs> I, it just, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, of course that, you know, the red herring that you have to get toward the beginning of any season of, of Linda, the old lady who turns out to not actually be Linda. Um, and in oh fact God. is Chris in disguise. Oh, Linda, <gasps> friggin' Linda. Um, and, uh, I, it, it's, it, the, there's a kind of similar structural dynamic to season three where we spend just over the first half of the season, effectively in one place, no big reset. And then we go episode to episode to episode and things start going like a roller coaster toward, uh, toward the conclusion. Uh, we get the, the funeral to end all funerals episode, uh, where the judge is, is, uh, searching through all the Janet's heads, uh, for the reset button and, oh, oh no, man. who knows what's going to happen. Um, and, uh, the episode after that, Cheaty gets all of his memories back and, uh, love can indeed conquer all, it turns out. Uh, hmm. and, uh, we discover that Eleanor is in fact the answer. Um, and then the show went on a month and a half break and, uh, none of us had any idea what was going to come from the last four episodes. Um, maybe going to that cliffhanger where, where we, uh, where we stopped, uh, as the judge was searching the Janets. Um, how did, how did you feel about the show at that point, not knowing what, what, you know, now, um, about, about how it was going to, uh, come in for a landing and finish out? Um, how, how did, did you feel like, um, uh, you kind of knew where we were going? Um, how, how did you feel in that, uh, in that, in that, in that, uh, void as it were, um, between, between, uh, during that hiatus, uh, Kelly, how did, how did you feel at that point? Uh, primarily I just rode the high of another set of Janet's overdose. We got Disco Janet. Disco Janet. <laughs> Disco Janet. Disco Janet 2020. <laughs> I, I, I loved her. Uh, again, like all the Janets. Um, and I was, I was worried because, but the thing that really, I guess never occurred to me is that they would in fact make it to the good place. I think I don't know why it nev why I never thought they were going to actually get there. I just I you know like sort of in the back of my mind it was like well you know obviously they don't end up in the good place like I know that's where they want to be but that's not what's going to happen like the judge is going to give them one of the chambers or something and they're all going to get to go there and live and it's going to be great but it's not going to be the good place and so like when they actually got there I was as weird as it sounds I was very surprised. Um, I was just and but I I at this point again because we've done uh the episode of Janet's and at this point like you know we had um uh all the funerals and everything and we got Chidi reset like at this point um I felt like I could ha I could have faith in it 
like you know we came out of uh the part of season three that i just didn't enjoy quite as much and uh like season four was like it didn't it didn't feel the same but it sort of did because like you said we spent a long time in one place but i really at that point i really felt like yeah you know whatever's gonna happen here like i i can get behind it it'll be whatever it is it's gonna be it's gonna be fine and uh and I haven't watched it like a bunch of times or anything yet, but uh, I still pretty much feel that way that it um, came out the, that it, that it came out in a satisfying way that the end of the show is a satisfying ending. It, maybe I could think of something I would like better, but the questions I still, the big questions I still had are still answered. And that was the part that I really wanted. So again, lost viewer. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I was, where, what I wanted out of it was just enough. And I feel like I got at least enough. Javier, how did you uh, deal with that, uh, that dead zone between the, uh, the, the mid season break? Well, watching this show trains you to, to expect that, Whenever they got a big cliffhanger, it's going to get resolved in like five minutes next episode. And that's something the show did a lot. And sometimes it did it greatly and sometimes it did it fine. And so <laughs> I wasn't really <laughs> super worried about it. I was kind of worried about uh, the fact that we spend most of this season tracking down the progress of uh, this uh, new Team Cockroach. And yet uh, we were going to have this big cliffhanger, which probably meant, and it ended up being the case, that the the performance of the experiment didn't really matter. And I felt like that was kind of a wasted opportunity because uh, most of season four tracks the progress of characters that we barely get to see in the in the second half of, of the season. And I don't think that was such a great resolution, but... It's still a great show. It still was fun to watch, and Disco Janet makes it all better. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the payoff of the one line cameo of Brent in the in the series finale. Saying, yeah. But what if she would look better if she smiled? Um, <laughs> that uh, that almost that almost made the the general yeah. decompression of the first part of the season work a bit better for me. Uh, <laughs> Aline, how did you how did you feel uh, when when we hit that? Uh, end of the year holidays dead zone sad um <laughs> you know i i guess i was never actually i don't know that i worry about tv shows a whole lot um i often want to know what will happen next because i'm not a patient person um <laughs> well well then then more to that point you know where was your head at where were you speculating in the direction of I didn't, I did not know what to expect. One thing that I've learned from The Good Place is that, um, I am very good at guessing things ha that happen within certain rules of narrative structure. Uh, I think a lot of us are where we'll watch a thing and we'll mm. be like, oh yeah, I totally saw that coming. The Good Place kind of continually subverted my expectations for what would happen next, which I think is part of why I like it so much. I spend so much of my time reading books or um, consuming other media where I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But The Good Place kind of surprised me a lot. And I kind of learned to – I did speculate about what things would turn out to be or how they would turn out, but I didn't really do it thinking that I would be right at any point, and I was not ever right about any of it. 
Um, I, I agree with Javier. Um, I wish that we had gotten more time with our new team cockroach. I do wish we could have, uh, seen more of Brent's, um, Ed- educate education is that what that was i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I want to know i want to know i want to know how many baron because it's it, it's a matter of how long not if in in the way that that new structure works i want to know how many baramies it took to make brent not garbage <laughs> yep <laughs> I also imagine the the architects designing the test and and seeing like how many times is it one billion baramis? I'm sick of the, this guy. Well, and I I do wonder if that's is that actually accurate? Like some people are just pretty awful people, and I don't know yeah. that they can ever learn to be better. And so. Are they going to spend infinity trying to kind of re-educate Brent? Or at some point, is it just like, (laughs) okay, no, really classic bad place does have a place for some people. Or no, we're going to forcibly push him through the Redwood Gate. And, you know, like what what happens? Because there are bound to be people who just... They don't get it and they never will. Um, I don't feel like the season was a letdown necessarily, but I do feel like in trying to wrap up the pieces, which I feel like they did well, um, I didn't necessarily get the conclusion I wanted, I guess. Um, I wanted Eleanor and Chidi to be together forever. I definitely didn't want him to be the first one who was like, all right. See ya, you know, in that relationship. I did love that Jason was wandering in the forest for however many baramies yeah. because I was like, we didn't see him go through the gate and I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he pops up later and, you know, that was, that felt very Jason. He got, mm-hmm. he got distracted skipping rocks for 17 years. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I, It's not like, oh my gosh, that was the most satisfying conclusion ever, and I loved it. But I also don't have any active gripes about it that I can point out. It was like, yeah, that all that all fits. Um, But I kind of there's some things that I didn't love, I guess. One of the things that I think comes into play with this show is that the initial uh, dynamics of the, of the, the conceptualization of the afterlife are very Western toward the beginning. Um, It's all Western philosophy. And it, 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 in terms of, you know, the, the text and not the subtext with a little subtextual threads of there being a lot of Eastern conceptualization of things, um, leaning heavily Buddhist, which is where we very much end up, uh, in season four, where this whole notion of, uh, of absolute good, absolute evil, um, just is, is kind of a, a laughably childish way to look at things, um, in, in terms of the, what seems to be the show's thesis. Um, and now as, as I think we're, we're talking about the, uh, the conclusion of the series, um, the twist for me that I found in doing prep for this, in in thinking about the overall arc of this and trying to make notes for this incredibly, uh, complex, and that's not to say, uh, complicated or messy or anything, but just complex, this complex construct of a show is that as much as my initial, reflexive reaction to the finale was, oh, I wish I'd gotten to spend more time with these people. 
I then looked back to, and we've even discussed it here on this episode, I looked back to the first halves of seasons three and four. That's where I got it. Uh, and, and I found myself uh, impatient for the order in which I was served what I was served. And, and in looking back on it, I, I felt more satisfied with the overall journey because going episode to episode and watching it the night of, I was very much in the head case of, um, this is the fourth episode I've watched since it came back from a month and a half hiatus. And I was very much in the, in the, in the mindset of, of the here, the now, and in, in leaning back and meditatively soaking it all in, um, I feel better about the finale than I did the night of. Uh, I didn't feel remotely the level of Seinfeld finale um, <laughs> buyer's remorse the way that a lot of people did. Um, and and I, th- I think there are a fair number of people who who had a very strong reaction. I mean, Aline very specifically pointed to something you brought up, which is that um, a lot of people just uh, wanted Eleanor and Chidi to not, quote unquote, die and just be together for all of eternity uh, in this second life in this afterlife. And that's something that, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. They, they wanted love to conquer all and eternity. And the notion that, um, uh, that, that, uh, that I don't know, it, it, it's something that for me was philosophically at odds with something that's, that's part of my religious and philosophical background, which is that there is the possibility for enlightenment. Um, and you know, it might take thousands and thousands, thousands of millions of billions of lifetimes in the afterlife. Um, but it it is an achievable thing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm also at odds with, uh, just the way that the, the show set things up where I, I don't know what I was supposed to be expecting and I don't know why I expected what I expected. Um, which probably sounds like I'm hanging out after hours in the philosophy school dean's <laughs> office um, after uh, smoking herbal remedies. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I find that initially it, it wasn't that I had a bad reaction to the finale. It was a I want more and I will always want more. And um, and it's taken some time to let it breathe and think about um about all of the stuff that happens off screen. And was there a way that they could have shown me some of that stuff that would have done more to, to satisfy my, my feelings of, of a lack of fulfillment? Um, or is that lack of fulfillment very much intended or very much something they looked at as, as an inevitability? Um, now that I'm done, uh, with my Ted talk, uh, Kelly, uh, how, how do you feel about the finale? How do you feel about this, wrap up for things after after our um after our our uh, our team of nerds uh do a school project <laughs> or remake the afterlife um and have multiple eternities uh to to find fulfillment find gratification um how how do you feel like the the ending of the show works i i, I liked it um i was i was sad to see them go uh, and like Aline said, uh, I was sad when I was sad for Michael to come back and not and not have any of them there anymore. That that did disappoint me a little bit. Uh, but I did. I did like that we sort of got an answer for everybody. Like it was different for each person, but it did sort of feel like they came to it themselves. And so I, I was into that. 
um, I did very much enjoy uh, Tahani deciding to create her own afterlife, which was designing stuff for people. And I, I enjoyed that. And the moment where uh, Michael gave her the bow tie mm-hmm. so that she could go. I, mm-hmm. Oh, that was so it was it was all of the stuff that I wanted out of an et- like an ending sort of, you know, a finale uh, where um, it was a very sweet moment between the two of them, but it was also a little bit funny and it was really great that she was going off to this other thing. Uh, I would like to have seen more of that if that were, if that, you know, again, I just wanted more time with, with everybody, but uh, I would have liked to have seen her uh, thriving in that environment. You know, she was worried, she was went in super intimidated and I, I really wanted to see more of her um, rocking event planning because that's really all it was and you know and i wanted to see uh kind of you know more of 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 how that worked for each of them and and i thought it was nice the way it ultimately turned out and that it was a little bit of eleanor that caused the guy to return the letter to the person that wasn't you know the the wrong piece of mail um, I've never seen anyone so excited about a grocery store loyalty card <laughs> in my life. Um, which, which again, you know, like I know, like I've been, you know, I've been watching this show for like half an hour and I know we're in the home stretch and I'm kind of sad about it. So this may be the last bit of Michael that we get, you know, we've kind of wrapped everybody else up. So like this may be the last of it for him. So like, I'm kind of sad about it, but it was really funny. That, oh, it's here. You know, and he was so amped up about it and getting the opportunity to bid someone take it sleazy it was just like it it all like for me um like i said i wanted to spend more time with everybody but uh i felt like i got enough of the answers that i wanted and there wasn't some mass there like even still like off the top of my head there's not some massive thing that i'm like what about this that i really have a deep burning need to know Uh, so overall i think it's okay um again i've only watched it once uh, and it did take me a little while after it aired to watch it because I kind of didn't want it to be over. So uh, it gave me a little bit of time to sort of spend more time with everybody kind of, I guess, in my own way. But because it wasn't really over because I didn't watch it yet. So um, but I, 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 I think as an ending, it gave me enough answers, even if they weren't answers that I would have preferred, because I would have liked Eleanor and Chidi to find a way to to figure it out. Um but I think at least at least for me, like I got good answers for everybody and they were good enough for me. So um, unless I go back and watch it more and realize that there's something that I don't that that I forgot, I didn't realize they didn't answer for me. Uh, I feel overall pretty satisfied with it. Javier, uh, in, in, in terms of how you process the finale uh, the first time you watched it, if you've watched it since then. Uh, how, how did it strike you? What, what, what specifically worked for you? What didn't work for you? You've gone a little bit into that. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted you to, uh, mm-hmm. to give us, give us a little bit about how it broke your heart, how it mended your heart, how it made you feel whole or <laughs> incomplete. Plot wise, I, I was, I know that I knew that it wasn't going to get it, but I was expecting like a second twist, particularly with the Jason not going through the door. <laughs> I, I had a moment mm. that I thought, Maybe they can like go to the door and then when they're refreshed, come back and continue to enjoy afterlife. I had like a second, a split second of, 
of joy at the possible idea that maybe it doesn't have to be like the complete end. Uh, but characters wise, I thought that Jason's death was, was the, probably the, the most affecting because the way that he described everything, it, uh, I said in, in the other podcast, and I keep thinking about that, it felt like someone choosing to die, like in real life. And yeah. I, I thought it was very strong and very believable in a way. Like, I understand your choice. I, I, I don't think I would ever make it, but having like a friend go that way, it's pretty depressing. And I think the show conveyed it uh, accurately. But uh, then we get to to uh chidi's choice to to leave and uh, all i could think was why did we freeze this guy all of last season why did we lose having him like uh, the real character interact with all of the of the team during all of season four just just for a joke just for I think this show uh, always likes to to stand like right near to the edge of uh, of the cliff, and uh, when they chose to to make Chidi lose his memories, they took away a character for most of season four, and I, I felt a bit short thrifted by that. And uh, Eleanor kind of gets the shaft too because. After he come ba- he comes back, I I can't believe the chemistry anymore. It it like cool things off for me, so I couldn't think about them. I thought that Chidi was like completely at peace, and uh, it didn't uh, find it so affecting. And and the way that the show wants you to feel affected is by having Eleanor being. Uh, uh, abandoned by the significant other and I just didn't care for that relationship at that point and I thought that that was the the show's fault for all they did in season 4 uh, I, I felt sadder for for Janet who seems like has to be a servant for the rest of the endless, endlessness and she has no friends now so I thought she, she got probably the, the worst case of all of all and I like the Michael sending. I like Michael having uh, the ability to to go to Earth. That felt very organic. I'm I'm happy that he he finally gets to do it. And I'm a bit sad that he doesn't get to do it from the beginning. So he's like carrying this baggage of having been a celestial being. But it's still it's still a, a satisfying ending. Though I I don't love the last scene, the one with the junk mail, the one that you mentioned. Uh, I'm that person that <laughs> oh no. I'm the person that uh, complains about the the ending of Joker because they they have that that scene in the asylum. I feel like less is more, and that scene kind of takes away from the poignancy of Eleanor crossing the door. But that's that's I, I'm. I found out that that's just me, but most people don't have an issue with that sort of uh, post-credits, etc. kind of scene. 
Well, anybody who has an issue, anybody who has an issue with that opinion of yours would have an opinion, an issue with the opinion that I have, which is the movie's garbage and it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but hey, that's me and how I feel about Joker. Um, before we, we get some, some final thoughts and, and wrap up, um, I, I, I think we touched on something interesting here, which is that, uh, what I was not ex, I was not expecting, but I was kind of expecting, but I was kind of like, is this mm-hmm. show really in some way going to be about uh, uh, NPR broadcasting legend Diane Rehm? Her her late life uh, cause is uh, is compassionate care uh, for um, uh, medically assisted death. Uh, people choosing when they want to go out, when they know that they have a terminal condition, uh, when they know that they have a ticking clock. Um, and this is kind of the inverse of that. These people know that they have a literally internal clock. They've already died. Um hmm. It's a matter of at what point they find the version of fulfillment that satisfies them to let their, mm-hmm. their, their essence, their consciousness, their soul, their spirit, whatever, um, spread out throughout the cosmos. Um, I, I, I wonder if, um, we can, you know, touch a little bit more on this and, uh, do you, do you feel, do you feel like this as the, as Mike Schur said from the beginning that, that he knew where it was going to end. Um, it was a matter of how much time it took to get to there. Um, but the, he had a pretty solid idea of, of the general, uh, structure that, that, that it was going to take to get there. Um, how do you feel about, about this case where unlike Battlestar Galactica, for example, um, or lost, uh, they knew <laughs> where they were going. They <laughs> had a plan, and this was the plan. Um, do you feel like, um, you know, part, I, I feel like emotionally part of the reason that I respond to it kind of, um, kind of medium as it were is, um, is it's just, it's a really tough subject to grapple with and think about and face for myself. I've, I've, I've had a, a, since I was very young, a very deep seated, uh, fear of death and mortality and it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, has caused me no small amount of anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And I, the the thing I didn't expect from this, as I felt like this was what we were backing into, uh, was that it, it kind of helped. Um, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't luxurious. It wasn't like um, go-kart racing with uh, um, orangutans or hippopotamuses or whatever it was. <laughs> um but I I found it it, it was incredibly unique uh, in terms of uh, of a viewing experience for me because I felt like I was I was actively wanting to reject what I was watching, but it was having a kind of uh, psychologically nutritious effect um, in in helping uh, helping me grapple with the notion that it's okay it is okay. Um, I mean, was, did, did it hit any of the rest of you as, as heavily and incredibly depressingly as as it did me? No, (laughs) (laughs) simply, (laughs) simply because, um, I don't know. I don't know that I'm afraid of death as much as I'm afraid of the unknown. And it's, it's not like this hands me a plate of answers that I can be like, yep, it's all going to be okay. I get to go to middle school, you know? And so, <laughs> um, in a way it confirmed the hope that I have in humanity and that 
I believe that people are capable of change and most people are capable of change. And whether that's for the better or worse or whatever is, you know, that's a whole whole other thing, very individual. But that is what I took away from The Good Place is that there is there is hope for change. And um, the potential, I have the potential to change and I can choose how I change. And I think that that's pretty great. And also, I can take that and apply it to other people like, you know, Oh, that person's a real jerk, but maybe someday they won't be. And won't that be nice? You know, but <laughs> in terms of something, you know, um, more profound, um, like allaying my fears about death and what comes beyond or, um, you know, feeling okay about mortality or whatever, I don't, I, I don't have that <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I've also dealt with anxiety about death all of my life and I didn't find solace. If anything, what I found was I kept identifying with Tahani trying to learn all the things and do all the things and I felt the same way. You guys call it a day. I'm going to find a job that lasts into eternity. Yeah. 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 yeah I feel like I'm never going to be ready, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, society tells you that you're going to, but I still, I just confirmed that I can have millions of years and probably I'm going to still want to be around and try to do something with my life <laughs> or my lack of life in that context. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar kind of thing where I was I was able to, uh, for once, identify with Tahani and go, yeah, <laughs> if, if I mean, of the four of them, I would definitely not cheaty Eleanor or Jason it. I would definitely Tahani it and just put yeah. it off literally forever um, mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. just make make uh, make work my afterlife. Uh, mm -hmm. Kelly, uh, how did how did the, how did the the mortality aspect of, of this land for you? Well, it didn't really it, it didn't really change my stance on it, but um you know, I have a little bit of anxiety about it, but like it's gonna happen, you know, like it or not, <laughs> is kinda where I'm at. So uh for me, like go to bed glance kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um like on the mortality side, it felt a little bit more like um to throw back to the first season when Michael was freaking out and we still thought Jason was a monk and he puts his hand on Michael's chest and Michael chills out. It was like that. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's coming. And, you know, maybe that's not great. And, you know, everything that, that, you know, and all of that, that you, that, you know, has come up to this point, like all of that's gone, all of that's changed and there's no take backs. There's no do overs. But it'll be okay. And so, you know, it it, it was more um, calming and sort of optimistic. And I think that's one thing that that's one thread that runs throughout the show is that, um, you know, aside from a few forays into the bad place, uh, fundamentally, it's kind and it's hopeful. And like Michael has hope for different stuff every season and sometimes episode to episode, but he's always hopeful about how it's going to turn out, whatever it is. 
and however bad it got he's always mm. ho- he always holds out hope that it's going to be okay and i feel like that's sort of what the the for- the finale did was like you know like no that's not a good situation but it'll be okay well, I figured uh, it would be good to end on uh, a more upbeat, positive note uh, <laughs> rather than, than end on mortality. And so I wanted to save, uh, you know, what what are some of those things that when you think about the good place, you immediately free associate, your mind goes directly to uh, things that bring you joy about this show, uh, whether it's a particular character, a twist, a surprise, uh, a moment, a reaction. Uh, I mean, some people write down quotes for this uh, sort of purpose, um, but is, mm-hmm. is there, you know, what, what are the things? that bring you joy what's good about the good place uh for you sentimentally uh that uh, that will now and ever be uh what you associate this show with javier um frozen yogurt <laughs> 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 all the signs on the on the city uh this the show constantly changing everything up just to to make a joke a silly joke that maybe Two or three viewers are coming to see, but if you pay attention in the background, there's like a new name for the yogurt store and a new name for the the pizza place, and it all it all pays off. I think I think in in that sort of department, it's it's a constant writer's room. If you see the background of the scenes, Kelly, uh, what uh, what's good about the good place for you? The obvious answer here is cocaine and self-pleasure. Um, <laughs> uh, I I enjoyed uh, like getting to know this bunch of unbelievably disparate people who all ended up mm. together. And the the thing <laughs> I enjoyed about it, I think the most was that they were specifically brought together to torture each other. And that ended up being... <laughs> the opposite of what happened and that i think um for me like as as it evolved that's a thing that that i will remember the most but i know um like i've talked to other people about it like hey you know i've heard you talk about the good place like i've kind of thought about watching it and i tell everyone absolutely you should watch it uh you know like because you can tell somebody about the first episode and if you're not hooked by that first episode like then you know it's probably not going to work for you You know, um, so it's very easy to tell somebody pretty casually, like, yeah, it's about a person who ends up in the good place. And it turns out they're not supposed to be there. And then that's where the story starts. And that's either going to be interesting to somebody or it's not. So um, being so like, that's one thing that I've sort of enjoyed as a side benefit of all this while it was still on was like, yeah, you can totally catch up. And then like, you know, we can talk more about it. Hmm. Uh, But I enjoyed um finding out all of the stuff like the signs you know that was the thing that i mentioned too was the different how everything had a slightly different name in the neighborhood um the characters we meet that like swoop in for a few episodes and you know we maybe we don't see them again or maybe you know worse yet maybe we do um and and how how everyone bounces off of each other in new, interesting, weird ways. And watching all of that was really, really, really fun. And having it be so layered, like there's physical comedy, there's these strong emotional moments, there's stuff that's just funny, um, you know, warm beer, um, frozen yogurt, <laughs> because, you know, 
it's it's human to ruin it just a little and like all these different little things that happen you know all throughout that were really fun and you know getting getting that that payoff from it and i think this is going to be one of those shows that it's it's probably going to bounce off a lot of people but for the people who who do sit down and give it a chance and it's for you it's really 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 for you aline uh what's good what what warms your heart about this show in your memory i think really it goes back to as i was saying earlier the sense of hope um that i walked away with um with every episode right because no matter how hard it got there were always there was always this core group of friends trying to work thing work through this big hard thing together and it wasn't about trying to affect change externally necessarily at least in the beginning it was about how do i how do I become better? Like, yeah, maybe motivation was something, was another conversation to have and was something that came up in the episode. But like, ultimately, I thought The Good Place was a really hopeful show. And yes. in the year of, you know, the years of 2016 to 2020 or like whatever, uh, we really need that, or at least I did. So I think that's what I'm <laughs> going to miss more than anything else. Hmm. Well, uh, I think that's a good note to wrap things up on. Um, uh, before we say our goodbyes, uh, I'll, uh, throw in what, what, uh, what was good for me, what, what made it work for me. Uh, and, uh, Aline, um, I, I, I feel like I'm just going to admit to cheating off of your homework, even though I okay. saw none of your notes or thoughts, but uh, I feel the same way. Um, facing inevitably not good things like death. Um, but from an optimistic, idealistic standpoint and the idea of making the most and the best of the time that we have, um, and being, being the best helper to other people in making the time that other people have, um, as good and as fun as it can be, um, little background, uh, jokes, uh, occasional, um, hilarious, uh, uh, cameos, uh, the return of Tia Serkar's Vicky, uh, in season four was one of my favorite surprises in the whole show. Um, and it's part of the reason that I asked, uh, you know, what some of our favorite surprises and twists and that sort of thing were right when we started. Cause for me, that, that was, that was my favorite thing. And it's something that, um, embodied the hopeful energy of the show to me is that there is always something delightful that might crop up all of a sudden and you have no way of knowing when it's going to come. Um, anyway, this is a great show. I think we're, we're all agreed that everybody should definitely hmm. go see this show. We said that at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it is such a good show that it's, it's one of the few things, uh, in incomparable lore that merits multiple panels of people talking about it, like a star Wars movie for crying out loud. Holy forking yeah. shirt balls. What a good show. Um, <laughs> So that leaves nothing else for me to do but to uh, thank my panelists, uh, whom I will send off into the ether uh, with the wise words of great afterlife philosophers, uh, Javier Matusevich, um, in the words of Jason Mendoza, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm starting to think there might be more to life than amateur street dancing competitions. Kristen Bell is the answer. Goodbye, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Gamont. 
you put the peeps in the chili pot and eat them both up. You put the peeps in the chili pot and add the M&Ms. You put the peeps in the chili pot and it makes it taste bad, said Chidi Aragonier. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. This was a complete Derek. And uh, Aline, I have something of a compound thing uh, for you. Uh, in the words of Tahani Al-Jamil, if you love someone, set them free. A good friend and yoga pupil, Sting, no last initial, told me that. And uh, I, I've got to say, uh, Aline, of, of all my friends, um, you're the strongest, most independent acid snake in the skin suit of a strong, independent woman I know. That is the <laughs> nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And uh, I will leave you all with all the joy in my heart and all the wisdom in the universe. Take it sleazy. Portals. Portals. <laughs> 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 <laughs>